Christian grew up on a boat with his dad. He started living on a boat very young. So when I met him, he was well boat established and um, I was just drawn to it. We blended our families shortly after meeting each other and took a trip down to Mexico as kind of like a, just let's get the feel for this as a family. And it was amazing, just the closeness we all had together. I put a lot of trust in him. I, I could feel it. it. Just It was in his nature. It was in his bones. He knew what he was doing. So yeah, I just trusted that it would work out and I would learn to sail along the way. Imagine living aboard a 40-foot sailboat, discovering the Pacific for five years. That is exactly what Josie, Christian, and their three children have done since 2015. I spoke to Josie while they were docked in New Zealand, having already crossed the Pacific together. The thought of it alone gave me cause for pause, yet her description of what it was like to see, or rather smell, land, as she puts it, after three weeks, completely piqued my curiosity. In this episode, Josie discusses her partner's background growing up on boats and sailing the Pacific Circle twice by his young teenage years. When Josie met Christian, she sensed his steadfast commitment to a life at sea and dove in. They melded their family, both having daughters of their own, and decided to bring a third into the world, Taj, who was living afloat at 29 hours old in their 40-foot sailboat. Josie also dives into the mechanics of how this trip was made possible and the sacrifices required. For example, in the handful of months leading up to their departure, they left their slip in Sausalito, California, opting to save the money and more out in the bay. This seems like a frugal decision. However, Josie would then have to commute 13 miles to and from work three days a week, often in the dark, which involved a kayak paddle and 13 miles cycling over the Golden Gate Bridge. All in the dark, perhaps the rain, we're not sure. Meanwhile, Christian would be homeschooling the three children along with preparing their vessel for an around-the-world adventure. Talk about superhero parents. We are so excited to have these guys on the show this week and hope you enjoy what's coming your way. Hey, Josie. Hey. Sorry to hear that. You have the uh, midsummer's Kiwi flu. We used to live there, and I, I think it would get me every year. <laughs> So I don't know if you, you had a chance to look into the Rewilding Parenthood podcast, but we started it because we left a year ago and had been itching to go and do something bigger. And, and we kept seeing these different families on Instagram like yourselves who were, you know, out there and doing it. And we just felt so caged in and boxed in and committed to this idea of success that wasn't ours and being worldly people and people that have taken on a lot before we found it quite challenging to break out of that and I just thought that wow if it's this hard for us to do this it must be so hard for other people that have never even like lived abroad or done you know time and vehicles for months on end like how could they even figure out how to do this stuff so right so that's really what the podcast is all about is to kind of introduce you as somebody who's done it and has gone through the challenges and can give somebody a sense of like hey if you're curious about this life like we're normal people too and we did it and like this is kind of you know how and why and um this is what we're up to now yeah for sure that's great um, you want me to start a specific place or? Um, sure. I, I guess, you know, I, I'm always curious about the origin story as to, you know, why boats became a part of, of your life and then how you end up living on one and, and how the idea came around to sail around the world. 
Okay, cool. Well, when I met Christian, he already had our oldest daughter, Nina, and he had already been living on his boat with her. And I was fascinated with that, of course. And um, we blended our families shortly after meeting each other and took a trip down to Mexico as kind of like a, just let's get the feel for this as a family and see if this will work. And it was amazing, just the closeness we all had together and just the quality time that even though it was just like probably about two months of time together, just that little glimpse of like, hey, if we do this long term, this is going to be amazing for our family. And a little backstory, further backstory is um, Christian grew up on a boat with his dad and his parents had split and his dad took care of Christian and just did the Pacific Loop twice and the Pacific Loop is from basically from California down to Mexico over to across the Pacific over the French Polynesian Islands and then up to Hawaii and then back to California. So they did that loop twice and then they also went down through the, the Panama Canal and over to Florida. So Christian has always had this in his blood per se. Sure. Um, just that like hey one day when I have a family, I want to do this with my family. And do you know how old he was when those experiences happened? Well, he started living on a boat, I believe he was three, very young. And they started sailing when he was about seven. So they would do just like a year kind of trip, come back, do some more school. But while he was out, he would homeschool and then do a, two, a couple of years of making some money, saving, and then they would go again. Um, and so that's what they did. That's how they did it, basically, is they do this little time off. Let's go sail. Okay, now we're back in Sausalito. Dad works. Christian goes to school. And then do it again. And then um, eventually they asked Christian, you know, like, what do you want to do for high school? Do you want to sail across the Atlantic and, you know, keep sailing around, surf and sail? Or do you want to go to Florida and go to high school and Christian laughs at himself to this day. It was like, I don't know why I chose high school in Florida, but I did. <laughs> so they ended up in Florida and there was a few years he was, um, they still lived on the boat, but after high school for him, there was a few years he was off the boat, but not many. And then he went right back to the boat. I think when he, he was like 25. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think he was 25 when he moved back onto the boat, and he's been on a boat ever since. So when I met him, wow. yeah, he was well boat established, and um, I was just drawn to it. And doing that trip down to Mexico, it just felt right. You know, I grew up in the mountains in Bishop, California, mm -hmm. and did a lot of backpacking myself and would go out for 10 days at a time. So I was used to that roughing it. But being on the water, well, I guess it wasn't as roughing it because you had everything with you, but it just had that similar home feel to me that like, oh, this is good. This is what my roots are just in a different way. And we're combining what we both feel good at doing. And we want this for our kids. And you had, you hadn't really spent any time on the water before, correct? No. I mean, I've, I've done some kayaking and swimming and but not nothing like a sailboat <laughs> going long distances so, wow i think i just i i put a lot of trust in him i i could feel it just he 
you know, it was in his nature. It was in his bones. He knew what he was doing, and um, it just felt right. Yeah. So, yeah, I just trusted that it would work out, and I would learn to sail along the way. And he dove in. Yeah, exactly. And when you met Christian, did he have the the Stevens 40? No, he had a 35-foot boat at that time. Right. And um, we lived on that. I moved up to San Francisco from Santa Barbara, where I was at the time when we met. And we lived on the 35-foot boat. I got a job at UCSF and... As we were thinking about having our own child together, so his, hers, and ours, he has the oldest, Nina. I have the middle one, LMA. So we were all, the four of us were all together on the boat, and we wanted one of our own. So we were like, oh, maybe we should get a 40-foot boat if we're going to go sailing long-term and with three kids. Um, so we got the Stevens 40 in 2012. And you had three kids at the time? Um, yes, when we bought, well, no, I was pregnant. I was pregnant with Taj when we bought the Stevens 40. And so you're living on a boat, pregnant. Did you uh, did you give birth on the boat? Thought about it. Um, I'm a NICU nurse, and I've seen way too many home births gone bad. Sure. To have let myself be comfortable with that. And as much as I, I know my body can do it and I'd be the most amazing thing, I don't think I would have been relaxed enough. And that's key, right? Absolutely. Like you just need to be confident. And so, no, we gave birth at the hospital, but Taj was on the boat at 26 hours old and has never lived in a house since. That's amazing. And how old is he now? He's six and a half. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I read that on your blog. He was born with sea legs and... <laughs> Yes, definitely. Literally. Ah, oh, that kid is crazy. I bet. Yeah, it's cool. And so your daughter, Ella May, um, had she spent any time on boats before? Or was this really a completely new experience for both of you? Yeah, it was new for her as well. But when she came, when I met Christian, she came aboard as I did. She was two, just over two. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, she's basically an infant as well. Right. So she's, she's grown up with sea legs as well. Yeah. And Nina, the oldest, um, you know, she, Christian was on a boat and had her halftime since she was also two. So she also is very boat oriented. Wow. Yeah. And she's 17 now. So. Wow. So you all were living in Sausalito at the marina on the new boat, the Stevens 40. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like before you even got the boat, you knew that you wanted to take off and sail the world. So can you give me a sense of, I mean, we got Christian's backstory there, but why that seemed like the best thing for you all to do at the time? Our primary reason for wanting to sail the world was to have life's adventures together as much as possible to have the closeness of our family together but to also do it affordably and based on Christian's experiences with his father he knew that you know once you actually leave the marina once you leave the harbor and cast those lines away that a lot of life's expenses drop considerably i mean not for everyone out there cruising it you know, everyone has their different budgets, but he knew that we'd be able to have this much more extravagant life in a sense of adventure and family time without as much money. And 
you know, I looked into it too and it made sense to me. It's, you know, it's like as soon as you're not in that rat race, as soon as you're not going to work and sending the kids to school and the, the car and the car insurance and we didn't have a house payment, but we had a boat, you know, as soon as we paid off the boat, we still had the slip fee and the boat insurance and, you know, just everything piles up. And when you look at like, hey, if we go sailing, how much of this stuff can we get rid of and put that towards life, towards enjoying life together and having these great world experiences and these kids just taking it all in and learning from other sailors and nature and just, you know, events, cool things happening. And yeah, what an experience can we give to our kids if we do this? Absolutely. And I, I feel like the, uh, even, you know, you hit the nail on the head and it was the same way for me. And I think for most other people contemplating this is a can we afford this and b how how can we afford this whatever that may be for them yeah exactly and um you know we were fortunate to live in a uh, an affordable houseboat community but we also we went and anchored off Richardson Bay i think it's changing now but it was or was an easy free anchorage to live off of and I would kayak into shore and then ride my bike to work and you know there were things that we it did kind of make our life a little bit harder at the time but we were able to just you know save so much more money by doing that and sorry to cut you off there but I I read that last night I mean I think you need to um, explain that a bit more for those of you listening that wasn't just a quick kayak in and like a (laughs) bike ride down the street to work that was like a half a morning's commitment oh can you give us some more detail there of what what that actually was like (laughs) sure um so I work 12-hour shifts, and I would have to be at work by 7, either a.m. or p.m. So basically, I would leave the boat at 4.50. A.m. And yeah, I on either side. If I was working a day shift, it would be 4.50 a.m. And um, So it's dark on the water. It's dark, sometimes windy, sometimes rainy. I would hop in my rain gear and get into the kayak with my waterproof backpack and... Um, I would kayak to shore and I would tie up at my friend's boat where my bike was also locked up. And I had the um, nice little Brompton folding bike, hopped on that and then rode, yeah, 13 miles to work over the Golden Gate Bridge and over to Mission Bay, San Francisco. (laughs) Drink a little coffee, uh, give myself time to drink coffee before I start work and, um, and then do it in reverse. So I wouldn't get home until about 9 30 p.m sometimes wow yeah the good thing about that was only three days a week but still it's there were full days for sure yeah that's incredible and meanwhile um christian is on the boat being homeschooled super dad trying to get this yacht ready for sailing the world yep and exactly. probably not taking the kids in to go to the museum or library it's it's all <laughs> happening on board the boat day in day out huh he did a bit of both yeah he gets pretty stir crazy if he doesn't move. So as long as the weather was good, he would actually sometimes even sail over to um, towards the city. There's a island, Treasure Island, just off of San Francisco. And you can anchor there and he would take the kids over there, you know, take them into the museum as their homeschooling activity. And then um, and then my commute home would be less. I, I would get to go to Treasure Island 
to meet them on the boat instead of all the way back to Sausalito. Right. So a little flexibility there. But uh, yeah, he worked really hard at just, uh, you know, doing what the kids needed until we had enough money to leave. Wow. And, you know, I think, you know, I don't want to under... I can't underscore enough what the stories I've heard and, you know, knowing what we've gone through as well, the sacrifices required to make this kind of trip possible. I think, you know, most people may not be willing to, you know, drop their Amazon Prime and drop their Netflix and, you know, give up that second car and then, you know, start removing these comforts and securities from your life to be able to save the money you need to do it because that's really what it is. Is. I, you know, it's the same thing cruising on shore. Like, you know, a lot of the expenses of life go away once you cast that line and you leave. We boondock every night. So we, you know, we find a safe port and pull in and turn off the lights and wake up in the morning and keep going. You know, it's... yeah. It's really, um, they're very similar lifestyles, but yeah, it's it's unreal how affordable living on the road can be. Exactly, yep. If you live within your means and you have... Um, you know, taking the extra time to make your lunch instead of eating out or, you know, because you are on the road or because you're out homeschooling or unschooling or whatever kind of schooling you're doing with the kids out and about, you have to take that extra time to to incorporate your finances within that as well. Absolutely. And so can you tell us a little bit about your homeschool philosophy? I know you'd you'd mentioned you practice a bit of unschooling as well. So what phase are you guys in now? What worked? What hasn't? <laughs> I'm sure it's a bit of trial and error. Yeah, we've mostly preferred the Waldorf, the Steiner school model. Um, it's just really focused on building the kids' confidence, building their self-being from their core, and then working outwards. And, you know, once they have that real strong base, learning academics comes a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So our first year was quite a bit of a struggle. We kind of grabbed pieces and bits of uh, online resources and book resources. And, you know, we're limited with space and weight limit on the boat as well. So, you know, how many books are we going to carry with us type of thing? So we did our best, you know, steep learning curve. And then we found a curriculum through Oak Meadow. It's a Waldorf curriculum. Mm -hmm. And you can do various things. You can choose to buy into like a supported homeschooling system or you can buy the curriculums that they have set up and, you know, have it sent to you and you just go your own way. And because we knew we were going to be limited with Wi-Fi and online and we didn't really want to have to check in and, and be, you know, be at port to send in our all of our stuff at certain dates, we decided to just order the curriculum and do our own thing with it. And it just has worked out so great with our kids. And it's allowed us the flexibility to just do unschooling as well. And basically just meaning like, you know, we're sailing the world or about the world. And wherever we go, this can be an educational experience. And, you know, if the kids are interested in whatever we're seeing, okay, let's make this an educational experience. And they're going to get so much more out of that than, hey, sit here in front of this book and read this and regurgitate it for me, you know. So going to the Galapagos, like what an experience of a lifetime, you know, and finding the locals and having them tell us stories. And, you know, the kids made a little video on microplastics. And it was just so rewarding to see how much 
they absorbed, how much of that information they really gathered and knew. They didn't just regurgitate it and forget it, you know, next week. It was like they actually really learned it. And so that's kind of where we strive to be is just um, having trust and faith that they'll gain the knowledge that they need to gain for what they are going to be skilled at in their future. And, um, you know, continue to do the, the Oak Meadow curriculum along with that, but just not so stringently as probably most people would. Sure. And I'm sure that is challenging in, well, you've been doing this for five, maybe eight years now, but I could imagine the pressure of normal life kind of being hard to contend with when, you know, people are wondering if you're child's getting educated correctly or what do you you know this or that and are they taking SATs and blah 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 and I'm sure it's um gives you pause for thought to you know make sure you are doing it right yes for sure there's been a lot of doubt self-doubt and you know questioning if we're doing the right thing here for our children and um one of the greatest experiences so far has been arriving to New Zealand and and the kids going, you know, wanting to go into school and the two older girls um, after their first day just fitting in so well, but also being ahead of a lot of their peers and not only ahead academically, but like, I think just overall grasp of um, personal relationships and being able to navigate and, you know, everyone, not everyone, but we did get a lot of criticism, like, you know, how are your kids going to stay social if you're out there sailing? And, and there's just so much social situations out there that people just don't realize that these kids are interacting with adults, they're interacting with teens and little kids, and they have to go in between that all the time. And uh, when they arrived to school here, it was just it was just a really cool, rewarding parent moment. We were like, oh, my gosh, we're doing the right thing. We are doing it. Our kids are learning and, you know, they're socializing just fine and they're happy. It's really cool. Well, congratulations. That is, um, that is no easy feat. And we all we all share it in some form or fashion. So well done. Yeah, just, you know, my advice is just keep the faith. Just know that it will work because there is a lot of doubt every day or maybe not every day, but it comes and goes and it does work out. The kids do fine. They are resilient. Yes. And so... Do you have any, I mean, we could do another episode just about the trip in itself. We really haven't even talked about it, but can you give us <laughs> the cliff notes of leaving Sausalito to arriving in New Zealand? Has it been four years, three years? Yeah, four years. Um, wow. Almost four and a half now, actually. Yeah, we left San Francisco August 2015. Uh, just took a few months just getting down to Mexico. It was great. And then we spent the next two years out of Mexico. And I say out of Mexico because our boat was down there that full two years. Um, but we did come back to the States so I can do some travel nursing, put some of that money in the cruising kitty. And the kids and everyone can see family and do a little bit of traveling themselves in the States. And then we'd go back to the boat. So we did that for two years. And then from Mexico... We went down to Costa Rica, and that was a 19-day passage. We skipped the Central American islands just because we timing and 
we weren't so sure how stable they were with safety and everything at, at that time. And yeah, so Costa Rica, Panama, we spent about six weeks in Panama. And then from Panama, we, we stayed on the, the West Coast and we crossed over to the Galapagos, spent three weeks in the Galapagos. And then we did a three-week passage to the first of the French Polynesian islands, which are the Marquesas. And then, um, yeah, spent three months in French Polynesia, slowly making our way through the different sets of islands and, you know, Tahiti and Bora Bora. And then um, we did one Cook Island and then over to Tonga, which we spent another six weeks in Tonga before coming down to New Zealand. So we arrived in New Zealand late October 2000. Wait, what are we in? We're coming. It'll be 2020 <laughs> in a few days. Okay. We arrived in New Zealand October 2018. Oh, wow. So you've been there for well over a year now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, a little, it was a little mash because Christian Taj and Nina came down from Tonga alone and I went back to the States to work and LMA went back to the States to spend some time with family as well. So I didn't arrive until January, but uh, yeah, the boat arrived in the end of October. So we've been sent in some, a little bit of shallow roots down here in New Zealand. <laughs> That's a nice place, huh? Yeah, it is great. Yeah. It's hard to leave. I, I cried the day that we left New Zealand. Really? How long were you guys here for? Um, s- six years. Oh my goodness. Did you get residency? I am a, I am a Kiwi resident. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, well worth the well worth the investment if you can do it with the state of the world these days. There's a lot of people who want that New Zealand residency that can't get it. Ah, that's what we're thinking. And you're you're kind of on the path now, yeah, I imagine. We... It can be a separate conversation, but I having been there over a year, you're probably you've got a lot more skin in the game than somebody sitting offshore. Yeah, yeah. No, we have our application in. We're just you know, with us being such nomads, we're struggling with the, like, uh, do we sit here and wait till it goes through or do we <laughs> keep sailing? <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, I think it is a good investment. Lots of, uh, just head up to the Bay of Islands for the summer. That's, that's, right? that's pretty yeah. stunning. I think that's the key is, you know, make sure we take our holidays here and actually get to see New Zealand because it is beautiful. We've just had our heads down and trudging through it. Oh, yep. I understand that. So I had one question about uh, passages. So what is the feeling like when you have been on a passage for three weeks and you see your first French Polynesian island? What is that feeling like? Oh, it wasn't even so much seen. Wow. You could smell the island a day ahead of time. And it was just after three weeks of seeing almost nothing. We didn't see, I think we might have seen one boat. And a couple of birds and some dolphins and a few fish. (laughs) Um, Seeing an island and smelling the flower and the dirt. And it was just so exciting. I don't know how else to explain it, but it was just so cool. Um, Everything was just brilliant. The colors, the smell. You know, even the water, it was actually kind of dirty, like dirty just from like uh, rain runoff dirty. Um, even just the dirty water, it was just so beautiful. It's really cool. Wow. Yeah. And the kids, you know, the excitement of the kids to just like, ah, I can't wait to get to shore and just run around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. Um, and so now you've been you've been in New Zealand for a year. You can work from there, so it takes a little bit of the pressure off of you for travel nursing. Yes. And I noticed on your Instagram, it looked like you had a pretty rad vehicle to travel in there. Is that <laughs> is that a new? Um, is that your land yacht or? It is. It is. We were, you know, as we're sitting here, like feeling not stuck, but just kind of like, oh, all we're doing is just working and the kids are going to school and what are we doing? Like, hey, you know what? We have our cruising money still sitting there. Why don't we invest it in a land yacht? That way on our days off, we could actually go see New Zealand and have this nomad lifestyle still. And, um, you know, when we're done, we'll just sell it. It's got a great resale value. And uh, so, yeah, that's where we named uh, named her Sharky. Sharky, nice. <laughs> and what is it? It's it is so cool looking. Isn't that awesome? It's a Delta uh, Daihatsu. I think it's a 1987. Yeah, get you know, get on a little bit of older side, but uh, something we can afford and works just fine. And you know, we're used to small spaces. So fitting all five of us in there, it works. <laughs> no problem. And is it a left-hand drive Japanese import or no, no, uh, no they're right-hand drive, but is it, um, it's New Zealand drive. New Zealand <laughs> what drive. is that right hand? Um, I guess it's right hand. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it's Japan. I mixed that up. Yeah, no, it is. And it's diesel. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know what the fuel mileage is, but it's fun. Yeah. It's real fun. Yeah. That's awesome. The, the North Island is, I mean, everybody who goes to New Zealand typically, you know, wants to go to the South Island, but I, I have a special place in my heart for the North Island because there are just so many cool places up there. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. I think I, especially like on the Wairapa and and we're, we're hitting them slowly, you know? Yeah. Uh, do you surf? I do surf. And I I did see you, you had 10, 10 boards aboard the, uh, I think we're up to 11 now. Wow. (laughs) I know it's ridiculous. And have you had a chance to taste the goods of New Zealand? Just a little bit, you know, it's just been so consistent Mm -hmm. and consistent. I should say, um, we're just far enough away that, uh, and with work and school, just scheduling, I feel like we're the, well, we fit it in and binge on it and then we don't get it in for a while, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's life. Um, my husband's gotten back into mountain biking big time and it's everywhere here in New Zealand and it's consistent, you know? Yep. So yeah, we're just doing new things, which is great. Cool. Surfboards will be there when we want them. Cool. Yeah. Hoping to take that camper down to the South Island at some point. Yeah. And I see it. Is it, uh, does, is Nina racing the coast to coast? She is. Yeah. That's exciting. It is exciting. She's doing the bike part as part of her school team. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So get a few trips down there. In January, we're actually going to sail the boat over to the Marlborough Sounds and spend a couple weeks sailing there. It'll be good. That'll be awesome. Yes. We haven't actually moved the boat since January. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we're like, here we're these world cruisers and we get we get here and we haven't moved it at all. Hey, sometimes sometimes you need a break. I, that's exactly what it is. My husband's just like, I, I need a break. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm fine doing whatever. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And so if there's somebody out there listening that is thinking about taking this on, maybe they already have a boat, maybe they have no experience, but I mean, I'm sure you have a laundry list of advice you could give, but what practical advice would you give to somebody thinking about a big life change like this and and hitting the high seas? I would say just, just leave, (laughs) just do it. (laughs) The hardest part is taking the dock lines off the boat and leaving um that being said you know just take short trips make sure you feel good doing it and if it feels right then go for it and once you're out there everything will fall into place financially you know things will just it'll work out and it's definitely worth it for the family and you know for yourself even just to to not look back and say oh i wish i did that i really wanted to do that and i wish i did you know even if it's just six months or three months, you know, something, you can always make it into a new thing. It doesn't have to be a huge commitment. And I was just going to say, I think, you know, a a lot of people feel like they have to leave with this big plan. Mm -hmm. And I think plans are what get us into trouble. It's really just having intentions and constantly being aware of, is this working and can we continue on or do something different or, you know, what needs to happen for us, whoever, you know, if you're a big family, for us all to be happy with what we're doing. And I could imagine when you're, you know, committed to a certain lifestyle, like living on the boat, that that's got to be hard to find some, um, I mean, you can find that middle ground in places, but you're still living on a boat sailing around the world. So there's, you know, there's certain areas that can give and certain areas that can't. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And that's life, right? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, same thing with us. You know, I can totally see that in no matter what you're doing. Yep. Life's going to happen and it's just a matter of how we flow with it. All right. Well, Josie, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but do you have anything else that we didn't cover that you'd like to share? Um. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel like we covered it. Um, I don't know. I'm just excited for you guys to be exploring New Zealand by boat. I wish I could do that. I never got to see the Marlboro sounds by water. Um, you know, there's, yeah, there's so many places that I'd love to see that. I mean, Abel Tasman is amazing too. I don't know if you have the time to get all the way over there, but yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. What did you do when you were over here? So originally I was a student. So I went for my junior year abroad there and was there for a full year, including the like four month summer break, which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then I came back a few years later to Wanaka and I was um, passionately pursuing snowboarding at the time. And I ended up working for this wild financial genius uh you know most people are getting these ski field jobs and i couldn't get a job for the life of me and then finally a friend was like hey there's this guy i worked for the past few years looking for a philosophy major to train as like a financial analyst and i was like okay i'll try that (laughs) um and yeah i ended up working for this guy for five years and you know i had to put up with a lot but i also got a lot of freedom and flexibility 
um, in terms of time, you know, I just leave for the summer and go to Japan for three months and work over there and, you know, do a little bit of digital work for him. But I just had a lot of flexibility and got my residency and, and had a, you know, fairly stable job with him because there weren't a lot of people that could work with this guy. So wow. yeah, it worked out really well and lived in Wanaka for five years and then we left. That's so cool. Yeah. Now your wife, um, did you guys meet here? We did. Yeah, met in Wanaka. She's from Argentina, and she was there for about five years as well. That's awesome. Yeah, my tattoo on my chest is actually out of Argentina. Oh, really? Yeah. The two birds. It was off of a mate gourd. We, we like to drink mate. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. So one day we're going to sail to Argentina. Maybe we'll meet down there. Maybe that'll be the next leg of your journey. We'll see you down there in a couple of years. That would be awesome. Actually, it might take a few more if we're going to get our residency. Yeah, I would I would definitely do that um, because if it'll be a commitment, but at least you can you can always go back to New Zealand. And once you leave and you can't go back to New Zealand, it's it it will not be the same feeling. Okay. That's good. It's good to hear this reinforcement. We you know, we had the the ideas that that's how it was and then you get the doubts. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it, it's good. I, I literally left the day after I got my residency. I almost missed it by a day. Oh. I almost left a day. or I think I had to call and change my airplane ticket so I could stay. For I was there for like 159 days that year because I was in Japan and... I needed to be there for 160 or 184 or something, and I was one day short, so I had to change my ticket. Oh, wow, yeah. But it's, you know, it's awesome. I mean, I, I hold that in my back pocket, and I know when this trip is over, we talk about New Zealand almost every day. We're driving through the country, the U.S., going, oh, wow, that looks like central Otago. Or, right. Geez, that really reminds me of, you know, the Aerosmiths or, or this or that. or And, you know, the states are awesome. It's amazing to see them and and absorb them, but uh, in terms of a place to live and and raise your kids, and I mean, New Zealand is is pretty amazing. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, we'll have to keep in touch, and you know, if you guys do end up just visiting over here, you know, we'll open up the camper to stand. <laughs> Thank you. We, no, we don't have room on the boat, but. <laughs> That that's just fine. We uh we are used to it. We 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 love small confined spaces. Yeah. We don't need much. That's not on the radar for a little while, but yeah, I'd love to love to come back. Actually, being in in Los Angeles, it really is only one flight away. It is. It's true. Yeah, a lot easier from down there. And a lot cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know just uh getting home like going up to Bishop is just like okay, it's a uh, well, Wellington to Auckland to LA to <laughs> to, to Bishop, oh. but one day we'll get over there for a visit. Yeah, cool. All right, Josie, it was so good to connect with you. And one question I forgot to ask you: if somebody wants to learn more about you guys, or see your boat, or your family, or anything, where can they find you online? Um, well, we're on Instagram as a family afloat. And Facebook as well as a family afloat. And then our blog is www.afamilyafloat.com. We do have a YouTube channel under A Family Afloat, which is kind of, we haven't updated it in a while. But, uh, you know, hopefully soon I'll uh, get back on the computer and do some some video editing. Yeah, you guys, you, you crushed the... Uh 
the digital space. You got you got a family afloat on lockdown. I know it's great. <laughs> it was just early enough, I think. Yeah, there is a, there is a family um, a family a boat or something. Right. And then the, I think there's one that's family afloat. <laughs> I was like, oh man, that's pretty close, but oh well, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> It's all fun. We're just we're just out there to inspire people, so that's all good. You are. I think you've inspired me, and it's something I've always wanted to do. But I I don't I don't have the sea legs. I've only delivered a boat from Fiji to New Zealand, and I was pretty much horizontal outside of my my shift, my four hour shifts. Oh, that's a rough passage, though. I I don't know if I would compare sailing life to that passage. Yeah, you might have to do some small gentle trips to just be like, okay, it's not so bad. Oh, no, no, no. I, I would love to do it again. I just was like, oh, man, if I was the captain of a vessel and responsible for all this, I I don't know if I'd be up for it. This is this is quite challenging. True. I can't even I can't even stand up right now. <laughs> I guess it's not for everyone, is it? Yeah. Hey, well, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. And I will I'll be in touch about the, the photos and, and let you know when this is coming out. Sounds good. Have a wonderful Christmas down there and Boxing Day and enjoy all the, the Kiwi, the Pavlovas. And um... <laughs> all right. Yeah. Merry Christmas to you and your family. OK, thank you. Take care. All right. Bye. You know, I've always wanted to sail around the world. And after talking to these guys, I think it is in my future. I'm not sure when or how, but they've inspired me, especially thinking about Josie kayaking and cycling to and from work just to make it all happen. And her trips back to be a nurse while her family was on the boat. You can just tell how committed these guys are to this lifestyle. And I think for all of us in the rewilding parenthood community, that's really the spirit of how these adventures work. It's really, what are you willing to give to get the lifestyle you want? And I think these guys have have done it and they have the war stories to prove it. So thank you, Josie and a family afloat. Make sure you check these guys out online on Instagram at a family afloat, Facebook at a family afloat, or their website, afamilyafloat.com. I also believe they have a YouTube channel. So give them a follow, subscribe. I'm sure you can learn a lot from everything they've gone through. Please come back next week to hear our interview with Mari and Toshi coming all the way from central Hokkaido, Japan. Mari and Toshi have just launched a rafting business up in the Kurodake region and on a river that's never been guided before commercially. So we speak to them about their journey into entrepreneurship and their lifestyles chasing snow and water around the world before this. So if you like what you hear with Rewilding Parenthood, please subscribe. Please give us a review over at iTunes. Give us a rating wherever you podcast. It really helps us to reach more listeners just like you. And always please consider sharing with a friend. You can find visual stories on Instagram at Fuera Vida, where we'll be sharing stories and highlights of our guests or on our blog, afueravida.com backslash rewildingparenthood. And that hosts all of our guests and, and their imagery and a little bit more of their story and all of their links. Rewilding Parenthood was produced by Afuera Vida, sound and editing by Mercedes Riva, and music by Tomas Tyrell. Thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to have you back next week to hear the Tailwind Jungle family. Adios.